welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hi, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for joining me on this beautiful, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, June Monday. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it is a beautiful Monday in the uh, Northwest. As usual, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's so beautiful out here, but I actually had, uh, I just got back from a wonderful weekend. My daughter and I went to Spokane, and I have never been to Spokane, Washington before. A beautiful little city and a fabulous, fabulous place to go to school. If anybody's uh, inquiring into universities, I would highly recommend looking into uh, Gonzaga or University of Washington because the uh, landscape is amazing. <clears throat> I have no knowledge of the schools themselves, so I can't tell you what the curriculum would be. Um, but from what I understand, it's a, a great liberal arts school. And uh, anyway, the environment is lovely. And the weather was beautiful, and the weekend spent with family was beautiful, and it was a great weekend. But uh, we're definitely having a uh, – we have a warm week predicted, and so all of us who are used to gray skies and no sunshine, we're all dropping whatever – Whatever we thought we had planned, and we're just going to sit outside and soak up the sun. So it's an absolutely beautiful place to be. And uh, and once again, as I look around the uh, forecasts and, and look at what's going on in the other parts of the world, I always have to come back and say it's a great place to live. So very, very grateful that I am definitely here. Um, I have a wonderful show planned for you today. Um, I hope that you will uh, listen and tell your friends to listen. Um, my show today is going to be, we're going to be talking about adoption, and um, that's something that's um has always always uh interested me um you know when i was a child truly truly and i know this seems so cliche but i really had no professions um that i wanted i didn't there wasn't anything i wanted to be when i grew up uh besides a mother and you know i don't come from a large family i have an older brother and i have a younger brother um and so i but i do come from a my mother came from a large family, so I grew up with lots of cousins and lots of aunts and uncles, and all of our holidays and gatherings were uh, around family. I, it really wasn't any outside friends. It was always just family that we got together with, so I love that environment, and and I had dolls, and I played with my dolls, and I, I would you know make baby noises and baby cries, and my mother would come in and go, what? Is there a baby back here? You know, and I'd be like, Oh no, that's just me playing with my dolls, you know. So I really, really did want a large family. And um and I I know I had envisioned, you know, um seven kids, eight kids, twelve children. I mean this, you know, craziness when you had no idea what that even means to have that many children. You just you just envision sound of music, you know, making uh play suits out of draperies and and so when my uh when my husband and I got married, you know, the plan was Hey, let's get going. Let's get these babies. You know, I, I need my babies. And, uh, and I, and I didn't get pregnant right away. And, uh, I was a little bit like, huh, what's going on? What's the plan here? And I, you know, I am very fortunate that I only had to go for a year of, um, you know, my, my plans not coming, you know, to fruition. So I can't imagine the heartache that other, you know, 
mothers and fathers go through when they also have plans of being a mother and, and it's, it's not working. It's not coming as easy as, as we thought it would be. I, I remember listening to someone say, um, you know, they were talking about their infertility issues and they were just saying that, you know, even just as a woman, they, that's just something that it's just assumed that you should be able to do. And it's just a bodily function that you think that everybody should be able to do. So when it's, when it doesn't happen for you, um, it makes you even question your femininity and there's just a lot of issues around it. And, and, uh, but fortunately, as my, I have on my, on my show this week, uh, a wonderful guest who has, uh, just a, a great outlook on on uh, on the whole issue. So we're going to be talking to Leanne in a little bit. So I wanted to remind you that um, the easiest way to listen to the show is to download the app so that you can listen to it while you're driving, while you're grocery shopping, and it just you know download the TalkZone.com app on your phone or your on your smartphone or your iPad or whatever device you have. And then you can listen to it live and then, uh, the show, Heaven Sent and Bent. You can also listen to it after, uh, on a podcast. I will repost the podcast on my blog, which is www.heavenandnot.com and my Facebook page, which is Facebook slash Heaven Sent Bent. So uh, those are uh, three ways that you can listen to the podcast and listen to the show if you're not able to listen to it live. Um, <clears throat> I would also love it if you would give me a call, uh, 503-869-6421. And if you have a story that you would like to to talk to me about, tell me, tell me your story. I would love to listen to it and to hear all about how you have risen above an adversity or, um, you know, going through a trial or some kind of a sacrifice. And you would love to have the, the uh, company of others who have gone through maybe what you have gone through and that maybe someone can help you or give you some advice for the things that we all have to go through. And, you know, we all go through, we all go through life differently. And what would be considered an adversity for one person might just be, you know, uh, an annoyance, you know, and then what would be considered to them an adversity might be something that you might consider just, uh, um, you know, something that you've just lived with. So I think it's so important for us to come together and, and we truly are the answer. We, the people living on this earth, are the answer to people's prayers. Um, very few of us will receive, you know, divine intervention as far as angelic manifestations. You know, the prayers are answered through people you know, being inspired to help one another or to come to the aid of, of someone else. And there's such a, a beautiful um, mentality, especially in the United States, but I think it's worldwide, to help. And I love when I see what people do, how people come together on different forums. I mean, sometimes it's with something as simple as donating to the Red Cross or, or donating to... Um, uh, help, you know, the recent earthquake or, or a flood or, or, um, you know, hurricanes and things like that. And people seem so willing and anxious, you know, to open up their wallets and to open up their homes or, or donate blood or, you know, amazing things that people are willing to do. And it, it sometimes it actually just, I kind of have to sit back and go, huh, that's kind of amazing. I, I, I'm just really sometimes shocked at how loving and kind and wonderful, you know, people are. And, and as as you've all probably heard, you know, um, we kind of hear the bad stuff. We hear the things that 
that uh, are on the news. And when you've got 24-hour news shows that have to fill every minute of every day, you know, they, they do kind of dwell on the evil and the horror that's going on in the world. And, and it, you know, they, they don't consider the wonderful things going on as entertainment. So they don't often, you know, follow the wonderful things that are being done. But um, I was just, someone just showed me a, um, a friend of theirs had started a, um, a fund me for a family who's trying to adopt and and it worked out really well as I have that as my subject this week you know that adoption isn't cheap um but there's a lot of myths surrounding adoption and I'm going to be talking with Leanne about those myths and and talking about um you know the different options that are out there for people who are interested in adoption and um I think it's going to be a really interesting show. We actually had uh, the joy of hosting a family. Um, they happen to be relatives of um, uh, my daughter, and they uh, stayed at our house, and they have a little boy that was adopted. Uh, she, you know, for some reason, nobody really knew, was just dealing with infertility, and they ended up uh, adopting this darling little boy. And and then, as often the story goes, she got pregnant. So she's now pregnant and due um, in a couple of months, but this little three-year-old boy just, I mean, grabs your heart the minute you meet him. He's so cute, and and they have wonderful, uh, wonderful things to say about their adoption process. So anyway, it's going to be a great show. What I'd like to do is to take a little break, and then when we come back, I will introduce you to my wonderful guests, and we'll get this, we'll get this show going. So let's take a break. Welcome back to Heaven Sent and Vent on TalkZone.com. Here's Renee Steelman. Hello. Thank you for joining me and thank you for coming back after our break. Today I have as my guest Leanne Nelson. And Leanne and I are going to be talking about her experience with adopting her uh, beautiful children. So Leanne, how are you today? I am great, Renee. Thanks for having me on. Oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure. And you know, Leanne, I always like to start out my, my show by quoting Albert Einstein where he says, um, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. And I love that quote for many reasons, but especially for our topic today because often people talk about miracles the most when they talk about the birth of a baby. You know, oh, it's such a miracle, and oh, I can't believe, you know, ten fingers, ten toes, you know, the whole right. bit. So um, tell us a little bit, just kind of start out, tell us a little bit about you. You and your husband were married in 1992, and what, um, d- you know, did you struggle with infertility? Did you know that infertility was going to be a problem for you? Or tell us a little bit about that. Okay, well, when my husband and I got married, um we kind of nestled our wedding day in between our two birthdays. So I had just turned 32 a week before we got married, and he turned 30 a week after we got married. And so, of course, we were both anxious to have children. Um, one, because we both loved children, and we'd had spent lots of time with nieces and nephews and, and, and loved that, you know, those relationships. And because we were not young spring chickens when we got married, so we were anxious to have a family right away, and that didn't happen. And so we went to, um, you know, doctors and did fertility treatments and tests, and, and they really never could give us a medical answer as to why we couldn't have children. Mm. And 
So um, we actually uh, went through LDS Social Services for our first adoption, and they their policy was to make sure that you were going to be in a stable marriage, so you could not actually apply for adoption through them until you had been married two years. Oh. So I think it was maybe the day after our second anniversary, we went and went to an adoption seminar at LDS Social Services. And um, I think Russ was not excited about the option of adopting right at first. But Mm -hmm. um, as we went through those two years and we we tried everything we possibly could, you know, short of in vitro, we didn't go that route, but Mm -hmm. tried everything we could to get pregnant and it just wasn't happening. And he could see that I was very anxious to have a child. Um, in my family, there are six children in my family, and my mom had a difficult time uh, bringing children into our home. It took her 18 mm. years to get her six kids. Wow. And we just loved kids, adored kids. Um, my dad especially was always looking for a crying baby or a sad oh. child, and and that's just what we did. We went around and... And loved everybody's children. And so uh, Russ and I were pretty confident that we had the ability to do that. So talked him into that seminar, and away we went. Wow. So how long was it then? I, I think that's interesting. Side note. I think that's interesting that um, I don't know what the policies are of other agencies, but to make sure that you have a stable marriage before they let you apply for adoption. I think, can you imagine if that was like a law? That before you had children, you had to prove that you had a stable marriage. I mean, it's like, right. I don't know, man, we should think about that for a little bit. You know? Yeah, and Ooh. when you do try to adopt, it is, it's like the worst job interview you've ever been through in your life. Oh, my gosh. Um, and it's, it's, it was very ironic to me that I had to go in and prove that I was a decent person and a loving person in order to get a child when there were people out there who could not take care of themselves who were able to have children. That was a very yeah. difficult thing for me. Yeah. I did and not I, understand that. No, and I mean, I, I guess like logically, like you say, logically I suppose that makes sense. Um, but, you know, um, but reality, reality is that isn't the real world. And right. and there is no guarantee that, you know, I mean, I, I do know some families that even after adoption, their marriages did not work. Okay. And that that's just that is the reality. So, it you know, and I understand, uh, you know, you kind of understand it makes sense that you don't want to be held responsible, I guess, for putting children into crazy environments. But did it was it hard for you? I, I remember, like I mentioned, the first part of the show. Um, just, I only had to go a year, you know, of, of not being able to get pregnant. Um, but I know during that year, I started to get a little bitter, you know, and Mother's Day was hard and, you know, yeah, and people would make silly comments like, oh my gosh, you'll have babies someday. And I remember going, how do you know? You don't know if I'm going to have, and you know, my issue was when I first, um, when I was 18 and I joined the Navy, and I first went into, uh, you know, basic training. I 
just one day, I was just very oddly one day, just kind of keeled over in pain, was taken to the hospital and they found a cyst on one of my ovaries. So I was only working with one ovary. And even though I was assured that the doctor, you know, the doctor told me, oh, no, no, the, the other, the other ovary will kick in. You'll be able to have children. I was, you know, when I wasn't able to get pregnant, I was like, liars, you lied to me. You know, <laughs> I'm never going to have children. And so no, no right. comment that anyone would make, you know, uh, did I find soothing or comforting in any way? Absolutely. You know, so. Yeah. Well, so we started our paperwork in November um, of 94 and got everything, you know, submitted and went through their committee. And um, the, the interesting thing was um, when we decided to go the adoption route, we, we wanted children that were hard-to-place children. So, oh, um, we, you know, we knew that anybody and everybody wanted a baby and could love a right. baby. And right. we just felt that with our personalities and with our being older, that we were able to maybe do some type of special needs, um, sibling group or whatever. So we went to the seminar and, and signed up for special needs because I, I just had the feeling there was a sibling group that was out there for me. Mm. So, um, we, we did that, and one of the counselors called us in and said, you know, you just barely got married, everything's really good, you really should get on the baby list, because with LDS Social Services at that time, once you had two children, you could not adopt a baby through them anymore. Right. And so they didn't want us to get our sibling group first and then not be able to adopt any more children. And uh-huh. so they had me talked into it, and I'm like, well, okay, you know, I guess, if that's what you think I should do, and... So I changed my application and went back out to listen to more seminars and sat there for a few minutes and I was like, no, that is not what I'm supposed to do. It's not a baby. So I changed it back and said, nope, I need my sibling group. And they're like, okay, you know, thinking I was crazy. So we went through all the medical things, all the interviews, all the paperwork, and finally in May of 95, we were approved. And they called to tell me, that they had approved us um, for adoption, but they just had one issue that they had concerns with. And, you know, if my mind is racing, oh, my gosh, what, do we not make enough money as our house? I mean, right. we just had a brand-new house. We had, I just couldn't think of what was wrong. And, and they said, we really feel like you need to go for a baby. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? If that makes you guys happy, you go ahead and put us down for that. But I know that's not what I'm going to get. But if that's what it takes to make you guys feel good and to help me do this, <laughs> you go ahead and put me down for a baby. So that was in May. And, of course, you know, adoption waits are years and years and years. And so we just went on with our lives and had things going on. And, and uh, I guess it was the end of August, I got a phone call from our adoption worker, and he said, you're never going to believe this. And I'm like, what? We've got a little boy and a little girl sibling group. Oh. And I'm like, really? He's like, you know, you kept trying to tell us that, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I kind of did. Wow. And I kind of knew that that was, you know, my deal. So these two little kids had been uh, born in Salt Lake, and their birth mom was in Salt Lake, and she had, she was LDS, and she had an aunt and uncle that lived in Houston, Texas. And they had taken custody of these two kids and were planning to adopt them. 
but they had five of their own kids, I think three or four of which had also been adopted. And um, my two kids were just really highly needy. (laughs) They Mm. needed a lot of attention, and and they just didn't feel like that was for them, that the family, the aunt and uncle, just didn't feel like they could do a service to these children. And so they prayed about it and decided to bring them back to Utah and uh, went to called social services. Now, LDS Social Services does not usually do older children or Hmm. children where you have to, um, that it's not a voluntary relinquishment. Hmm. And so, but that's who the family wanted to go through. And so they called the social services and social services called us. And um, I think this was on a Thursday. And they said, yeah, it's going to take us about a week to go through the process and everything. You pick them up in a week. We were like, great. Wow. So, yeah, we were starting to, you know, we thought we needed to go get things. I think we bought a crib. Um, at that time, our daughter was 27 months old and our son was 14 months old. So oh. <laughs> going from no children to two toddlers. So this was on a Thursday. And Sunday morning, I woke up and I was deathly ill. I mean, oh, no. I had the worst sore throat. I felt like I had strep throat, sinus infection, ear infection, and bronchitis all at the same time. So I got up and I went into one of those little Instacare places and I said, I'm really, really sick and I'm adopting two children on Thursday. I've got to get better now. So they did a strep test and it was negative and they did all these tests and nothing was coming up positive. And so finally they tested me for mono and that was positive. Oh, no. <laughs> and they said, okay, six weeks, no physical activity. <gasps> I said, you don't understand. Did you not hear me? One-year-old, two-year-old Thursday. (laughs) And they're like, no. And I said, yeah. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to sleep. Those entire five days, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to lie here and sleep and sleep and sleep. So Sunday evening, we were just, you know, sitting there talking about all the things we needed to get done. And we needed to buy two car seats, and we had to get this and all that. And Sunday night, the phone rang, and it was our adoption worker. And he said, hey, can you meet us tomorrow? <gasps> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Two kids. We're like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I was, I was terrified that they would see how sick I was and not let me have the kids. Yeah. So I took every over-the-counter drug I could find to mask <laughs> my symptoms. <laughs> and we got up the next morning, which was Labor Day. And uh, drove into Salt Lake and met the birth mother and the aunt and the two little kids. And there were probably more people there, but I don't remember. And um, the birth mom hadn't seen them for a couple months because the kids had been staying with their aunt and uncle. And so we made arrangements to later that afternoon pick them up. So we went home and, and Russ went out and bought two car seats and a high chair and all these things that we were going to need. And later that afternoon, I met with the adoption worker and went to the birth mom's apartment and picked them up and drove away and brought them home. Okay, so that had to be, I mean, I'm just visualizing this in my head, and I've probably watched way too many, you know, late night movies, (laughs) but I mean, I'm visualizing these two kids screaming, mommy, mommy. I mean, was it traumatic? It wasn't For like them? that at all because, first of all, I hadn't seen her in months. Uh, um, uh, and yeah. It was weird because oh. um, my daughter 
the birth mom told me, she said, oh, she always calls me by my first name. She's never called me mom. I'm like, okay. Oh. And so I, you know, I had a little bit of experience with children, and and so uh-huh. I, of course, had taken a little baggie of candy, and that's all it took. And out yeah. she came with me. Yeah. <laughs> she was pretty happy with that <laughs> okay. candy. and. <laughs> okay, let that be a message out to all parents as <laughs> far as right. a danger, you know, stranger danger, a little bag right. of candy, all right? That's all it took to do. get them in the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Took them, wow, so. okay. So how were they, like, on the way home then? I mean, and, and so Michael's a little bit younger. Was he a little bit more reluctant or they, uh, isn't they it? really isn't it? weren't. They, I oh, think my the gosh. Thing, especially with Alexis, she loved going places. Yeah. Um, we It took a while for us to finalize that adoption, and so we would meet with the birth mom um, down at the mall every once in a while. And when the birth mom would leave, oh, Alexis would just fall apart and scream and cry, and it was just oh. traumatic and awful. But I learned eventually that if I took her and left first, she was great. She didn't care. Oh. She just wanted to be the one who got to go. Oh, so, my gosh. That was not, it was not a hard transition. I she just, they had been around. She was just a little, a little traveler. She just wanted to be out there seeing the world. Yes. And so her, Absolutely. her idea was if mom goes, then I don't get to see whatever it is she's headed for. Right. Not, it wasn't necessarily the attachment to the person. Right. Interesting. Okay. So do you feel like it was an easy transition then? I mean, you got the kids home and they were, they were yours. Yeah, well, they weren't. <laughs> oh, okay. They okay. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. The plot yeah. thickens. So okay. it, went, it went back and forth. Um, their birth dad was from El Salvador, and, and both their birth parents had um, quite a drug addiction and drug wow. selling and a whole bunch of issues. And um, we had been told at the front, because um, we had to go through all these steps, that we needed them to voluntarily terminate their rights. Oh. And um, the the birth mom's mother, she was very motivated to get this done and, and loved us and was trying to facilitate all of this. And um, so we were warned up front, you know, the birth dad is very dangerous. Oh. If he approaches you or anything, you call 911, blah, blah, blah. And we had been, I don't know, inspired or bright enough to give a false name. Oh. So our last, yes, yeah, they didn't have our real names, the birth parents. Right. Russ had thought of that, and so we gave him these names, and it was kind of funny. But anyway, so I wasn't too concerned about this track, them tracking us down, but um, we were supposed to go in to the offices and have visits, and we would go, and we would wait, and the birth mom would not show up, and and so we would leave, and oh, we went through this for a few months, and then we got a call that said, oh, the birth parents have decided to get back together, and they want their kids back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I was devastated, of course. And, um, and you know, I would have been okay if I had thought that she was capable of taking care of them. Right. Um, I didn't have a problem with her, you know, being their mother and wanting them back. Right. But I knew enough of their situation that I knew those children were going to suffer. Yeah. And so we um, eventually got a different caseworker at LDS Social Services, and he was able to work with us and work with the birth parents and their family, and we were able to get both birth parents to sign a voluntary relinquishment. Wow. And so I think this was in March. So it was March when we 
finally they finally signed the relinquishment. And then in Utah, wow. you have to wait three more. You have to wait three months, six months, six months before you can finalize an adoption. Oh my gosh! So, so this is going on for like another eighteen months. I mean, even a, after you finally year. gotten them. It was a year. It was actually a year from the day we got him. We got him September 4th, and then I think we okay. finalized like the September 12th or something like that of the next year. Can you imagine? Though? So, I mean, so now you've got a two-year-old and a three-year-old, and <laughs> and they've been with you for a well, – isn't that interesting? I And I don't know a lot about it, but I – you know, you just hear the, the stories, but that mm-hmm. the um, – that there's even the possibility that two two people who have you know drug records and police records and criminal records that the fact that they've you know gotten back together and say they want their kids back that that's right. even legally a possibility right that well, just you know yeah we hadn't signed any papers because that's not how LDS social services works they oh. generally go with a birth mother who is you know single or very young or whatever, and, and they call and say, you know, we want to place our child for adoption, and then you go that way. We kind of did it the backwards way. I see. Um, whereas the aunt and uncle had these kids, knew that they needed to be adopted, and contacted LDS Social Services, and so it kind of went in, you know. So it wasn't their, their regular MO, so they weren't really... Right. trained to handle other types of adoptions Correct. that are out there. They like the... yeah. The easy peasy ones. First for them. Oh well, that's good. That was nice of you to offer your services to train (laughs) to train them the adoption agency how this works. It was all good. Wow. Yeah. So so after you after you were finally able to sign the papers, was there ever any other contact then from the parents after that, or did they they know Um, they were? We actually so um, when they signed the papers in March, we actually met all four of us you know, or six or however many of us. So we all met together, and they signed the papers right there in front of us and hugged their kids. In fact, the birth dad had not seen Michael since he was maybe two weeks old. And oh. he was two and a half now. So um, it was quite an emotional, oh. you know, thing. And, and the actual birth parents didn't go together. We met with the birth dad first and then with the birth mom later. And, uh, and they said their goodbyes and, you know, hugged. And, and it was, I mean, the kids were too small they didn't I don't think they right really you know right what was going on or cared um right. once again I did take candy so I could give it to the birth dad so that you know Alexis would talk to him right I knew her, I knew her currency there yes and yes. um so we afterwards we had since we had dealt so much with the grand the birth grandmother and had a pretty good close relationship with her um I called her after the adoption was final and said you know we've got this We've set up a P.O. box. If you want to send us letters or want pictures or whatever, we'd be happy to, you know, do that. And she said, no, those kids are yours. I feel totally and completely secure. They're not part of my family anymore. They're part of yours, and and we're good to go. Wow. So that was all we had then, and, and she had told me that the birth mom had hepatitis C and was very sick and needed a liver transplant and would not qualify because of her drug addiction and so we just kind of went on our merry way yeah and then so then forward 14 years <laughs> and um the birth mom had gotten her life together and remarried and had more kids and for michael's 16th birthday he got to meet his birth mom 
Really? Yeah, and she is awesome. She and I are close friends, and um, she's an amazing woman. Wow, that is yeah. an amazing story. So is that, and but the dad never, he never came back into the picture, but mom got her act together. Yes, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And okay, so did uh, did your daughter have the same feelings as Michael did? Did she, she want to see mom, or she really didn't? I think she felt uh. um, pretty betrayed, um, you know, and that, uh, and just not understanding, you know, that right. the, the drug addiction was just bigger than. Right. Um, actually, her, you know, her birth mom's agency, it just really had overtaken her. And so she wasn't really interested in that. She did not go with us to the meeting. The birth mom uh, lives in Ogden, Utah, and we're now uh, here in Vancouver. And so yeah. we met in Boise. We each came halfway and uh, and met there. And um, it was kind of an interesting story. Russ was on Facebook and, and looked up the aunt and uncle because he had remembered them and found that one of their children was friends with one of his nieces, and so we called our niece and said, hey, can you ask this daughter if her parents are interested, you know, in knowing about these kids? Right. And come to find out they had been looking for the kids because the uncle was dying of cancer, had terminal cancer. Oh. And our son, Michael, is actually named after this uncle, and so they wanted to see him and know how they were doing, and so it was all kind of... Yeah, very interesting, the timing. Yeah. So it was very, and so I was a little nervous because of what I had been told about the birth mom and her lifestyle previously. So I called the aunt and said, hey, you know, Michael is interested. Is it safe to contact her? And she said, oh, it's totally great. You know, she's totally turned her life around. She's got her act together, and she's great. And so it would be wonderful if you called. So it was, Uh and then the the uncle died like six months after we contacted them. So... So they they came to you with their names already? Yes. Okay. Yes, we changed their middle names to our okay. family names. Uh-huh. But um, they, we kept their first names. We only named one of our children, one of our six. Really? Our really? Well, and that's a good segue. So tell us about then how old were uh, were your oldest two before you got your third? Okay. And tell so. us that story because that's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we um, had wanted, you know, to get some more kids, and so we tried some different avenues, and things fell through. We finally um, were hooked up with um, a, an, an adoption agency, actually, here out on the Oregon coast, and we were still in Utah, and we had a 14-year-old birth mother come and live with us for two months. She now, was that arranged through the agency? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the agency had a couple, you know, birth moms, and they had one, this ours. Um, she was only 14 and she was seven months pregnant and she wanted, her mother wanted her out of her high school in a way so that it wasn't tough for her. And so she was kind of in a hurry. And so they flew out and they liked us. And so that happened in November of 98. Um, and then Gracie was born in January of 99. And so Alexis was almost six and Michael was almost five Mm. when Gracie was born. And, and how, uh, how did they take how did they take this new person that um, has just now in, invaded their life? Well, Gracie, they loved. The they were not excited about the birth mother when she lived with us. That was uh-huh. kind of um, imagine you know having a fourteen year old in your home is one thing. Having a pregnant fourteen year old is a oh very interesting experience. Yeah, and she was very um, needy as far as attention. 
Right. She wanted all my attention all the time, and um, she did not like Michael because she had a little brother that took attention away from her at home. And so Michael, being the youngest, was used to all my attention. So they, there was there was a little tension there. But wow, um, we got through that and and got Gracie home. And they, I think the kids, you know, once again, I was deathly ill. I think that was my my penance for not having to be pregnant for nine months. I got to be <laughs> deathly ill every time I adopted. So. That's funny. Like you want to see sick? I'll show you sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it happened. <laughs> It happened every time with all six of them, deathly ill every time. So that's so funny. Yeah. So well, you had you had Gracie, and um, and then I love the story of how you got the other three, because um, <laughs> that's just another one of those what type stories. So tell tell that story. All right. So we had some um, a mutual acquaintance, and they were adopting from Haiti, and they brought these. Well, they brought Chad home first. And then two months later, brought home uh, Melody and Jenna. And, you know, some people do not understand that children, when they're older and they're adopted, they don't know that they're being rescued. and <laughs> They are not yeah. happy. Um, yeah. And so it, it proved to be a little more, I think, than this family uh, was expecting. And so, like I told you, with our family, it was always, you know, if somebody was complaining about their children, it was just always, well, we'll take them. We'll take them. Give yeah. them to me. Yeah. So we had, you know, met at a meeting, and, and this lady was kind of complaining about these kids, these girls, and how difficult they were. And so in my typical self, I said, I'll take them. And so I, you know, I've never really serious, because usually when you offer to take someone's children, then they realize, yeah. no, you know, they yeah. will keep them. But two yeah. days later, she called me and said, hey, were you serious? <laughs> and I said, um, yeah, sure. And so she's like, because we've, you know, prayed about it, and we think you need to take Melody. And I was like, okay. Uh-huh. So I got Now, were they related? Were they brother and sister? They are, all three of them are biological siblings, yes. Okay, and they were offering you to take the one child, but not yep. the two siblings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's and I hard. I oh, take the two girls, and they're like, no, no, we've prayed about it, and we need to keep these two, and you take Melody. And so... I hurried and got off the phone and called Russ and said, "Hey, honey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how do While you you're at the store the today, for, um, could you stop by and pick up those? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's like, yeah, stop by and pick up those other two kids, a loaf of bread and a dozen eggs. Yeah, yeah and bring much. it back. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we we met them a couple days later for lunch and then went back. You know, worked out some details and went and picked her up and brought her home and then. Oh, it took it took another nine months to get her adoption finalized because we had because she had just come from Haiti. Uh, she'd probably only been in the United States like six weeks when we took custody of her, and so we had to go through the process. It's called the naturalization process. They don't do it anymore, but back then we had to go through and and so we had to let. I was afraid they'd send her back, so we had to yeah, pretend yeah. that they still had her and get her an Idaho birth certificate. We'd moved to Idaho at this time. Get the three kids their Idaho birth certificates before we could petition for adoption. And that uh, family had to go in and relinquish their rights and then and then we we took her. So we did that. So that took we took custody of her in January of uh, 2004 and then once again I think it was September again before we finalized that adoption. And then we didn't really have a lot of contact with the family. We did, we did it until the adoption was final. But it was really hard on all of us. 
Um, yeah. Melody to keep going back there, you know, to be friends. And it was just, it was just a really weird situation. So we just kind of separated ourselves for a little while. And then it got to the point where we needed to know what was going on with Chad and Jenna. And so we called and arranged a meeting and, and uh, met. And I saw that Chad and Jenna were fine and that everything was going well. And we came home, and two weeks later, the lady called and said, Hey, Chad and Jenna would really like to be with Melody. And uh, wow. I said, Okay. So wow. We went from three kids to six kids in 18 months. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So what, what, oh, my gosh, man, that's just amazing. What would you say, whoa, besides just that <laughs> fact right there, what would you say, how are all of the kids different as far as recognizing that they're adopted? Or how does it work as far as, like, what kind of experiences have you had as far as siblings versus the non-sibling? Or um, Yeah, that's Well, actually, I mean, Gracie is the only one that's not really related to the other right. ones that doesn't right. have a sibling, right? Has that been an issue where it's like, yeah, you two over there and you guys over there, and then there's yeah, me? Has. Was that ever? Really? It definitely has been an issue because the older two are siblings, and so they had each other, and then the younger three. Well, and, you know, when we just had Melody, and it was Melody and Gracie, yeah. it was, you know, it was okay, and it worked out yeah. fine. But then when we got Chad and Jenna... And all of a sudden, it was, you know, three and two against one. And yeah. and I think, you know, and I don't think it was, you know, intentional as much as, oh. you know, they saw the, and I recognized the difference in her because I got her as an infant uh-huh. was huge. Uh-huh. It was huge in development, in emotional stability. Um, and I think there was that sadness in them. I don't want to say jealousy. Right. I don't think that they would understand it as that, but right. the sadness in them and the trauma all that all the rest of the five of them went through before uh-huh. we were able to get them, that Gracie didn't have to go through. Yeah, because you got um, her as an infant. Right, and yeah. she was the only one, and there was just that special bond between Gracie and I that, um, that, that they probably felt that I probably wasn't as good at hiding as I should have been as a mom. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, but there was just that bond because I'd had her from birth. Because I was, I was in the delivery room when she was born. And I, um, I mean, I got yeah. to hold her at, in the instant she was born. And, and it was just different. And it's been, yeah, it's been difficult. And, and actually, you know, the more that they would gang up on her, the more I would try to make it up and try to protect her, which was just a vicious circle. Right. You know, because the more I did to try to make her not feel bad, the worse it made them feel. Um, so it's, it's much better now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's much better now, but it's, you know, and as I would say things and I would feel bad and then people would laugh at me and say, you know, that's normal sibling. Yes, exactly. Normal sibling. Yeah. Feel. Yeah. And that's what I was going to so- say. I mean, Gracie is, is the middle child. Right. And I remember sitting with a gathering of my mom's sisters. There were five girls in her family and three boys. And I remember sitting with these these old ladies, you know, these ladies are in their 80s, right? Right. And listening to the middle, the middle child still right. talking oh, yeah. about the, the, you know, what, how she was neglected or how she yep. was ignored or nobody loved her. And I'm like, really? You know, and it's yeah. such, it was such a typical middle child rant that she was going on and so and I and I do remember one time um 
because we, we had considered maybe doing some foster care or something like that. And so I remember reading, we'd get this little newsletter and it would describe the children, you know, this is so and so. And so this is, you know, some of the problems that this child has. And I remember going, well, heck, I'm already yeah. dealing with that with my own. Why on earth would I bring right. that back into my home? This guy's already right. doing the same thing, you know, and yeah. he, you know, and I would say to him sometimes, you know, when he would give me a, a lot of trouble, I would say, you know, you're, it's a good thing you're not adopted because I would be looking for your birth mother if I could right now because you are, yeah. you, you know, you are just one step away from me leaving you on a sidewalk somewhere, right. you know. And you know so. what? And you, you say those things and then you have to realize that you can't say those things to an adopted child. No, you, you can't. Know? Because, but see, with me, I don't even think about them being adopted. Yeah. One of my six kids are multiracial and they have brown skin. And I will go and look at a group of white children and cannot figure out why I can't find my children. I will look <laughs> at a school picture and I will look through, like a choir picture, and I will look yeah. through 75 children and I think, oh, if I just look for the brown one, I can pick them right out. I don't, to me, they're I not adopted. Don't. To me, I've yeah. had them forever. And so sometimes I'll let my smart mouth come out and I have to be really careful yeah. because those things can trigger memories yeah. and traumas. And so... Yeah. Well, I like what you said. Like, tell, tell, tell the audience, like, some of the things because they are, you know, they are from Haiti. And so you, you've had some people say some pretty startling things to you. Oh, yeah. When Gracie was little and we were at a Halloween thing and I was with another lady who had adopted a little, um, brown boy and we were sitting next to each other and somebody walked up and said, Oh, are they, you know, brother and sister? And I'm like, yeah, and see those two little white kids over there? They're brother and sister, too. I'm like, no, yeah. just because they're black does not mean they're related. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the, you always get the, well, what, you know, why, why don't their real parents have them? You know, what was wrong with their real parents? And you're like, oh, wow, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> first of all, yeah. I'm not sure that's really any of your business. Yeah. And second of all, yeah. I'm her real mother now. Yeah. I may not yeah. be her birth mother, but I'm yeah. her real mother. I'm the one that stayed up all night with her. I'm them. I'm the yeah. one that, you know, cried with them when they got hurt and when yeah. the boyfriends broke up with them or, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the birth mother, but I can tell you everything that's wrong with me. Yeah. And so that's what they have to deal with. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, getting children when they're older, um, they've, you know, they've had traumas in their lives. Um, yes. You have to yes. deal with those and you, you can pretend that they don't exist. Um, yeah. Until they blow up in your face, and then you're forced to face them. But you just, you, I think with me, I've had to decide whether I, as a parent, I want to be right or I want to have a relationship with my child. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to adjust my thinking and my parenting, some of my parenting skills, and learn new skills so that I am able to help my children be the best that they can be. Um, it's really difficult for me, um, well, not right now, but it's been difficult. Uh, my siblings, you know, I, I look at their children and I, they're perfect. And I, I oh. it's hard on me yeah. that my kids struggle. And yeah. so it's been, it's been difficult, but I have to realize all that they've been through, all of yeah. the trauma, all of the yeah. horrors yeah. that they've gone through in their lives. And the fact that they are functioning in society is just a tremendous, tremendous blessing. Absolutely. And that's the thing that you have to, and that's what, you know, when they talk about, you know, with age comes wisdom and you, you yeah. think about it. I was just talking to my daughter about this. I said, you know, 
I, it really has taken me, um, you know, because you think, well, what exactly, what is the age where the wisdom actually starts to come, you know? <laughs> and I really do think that it, you have to get to be like almost 70 to where you can, you know, and that's why they, I, oh, so many other cultures, they really do worship the elderly in there and they right. listen to the elderly because yeah. you do look back and you go, oh, um, what is perfection? And, uh, what, what, what might appear to be a perfect family, they might be, and those kids could be like following whatever, um, you know, picturesque thing that looks good to the world until right. they turn 40. And then the, <laughs> you know, the kid goes bonkers and whatever. I mean, every family is going to have their trial at some point. And, and I do like you, it's like, um, you know, for birth parents, um, they would never, you know, I mean, well, there were people that questioned what was wrong with us for, with sure. a couple of our kids, you know, it's kind of like, what, what do you guys, I mean, we've well, had people say, yeah. what are you, I know, are you not giving them enough attention? I mean, somebody came up to my husband one time and pulled him aside and said, you know, could I just give you a little bit of advice? I think you need to spend a little bit more time with, you know, this particular yeah. child. Yeah. And we're like, are you kidding me? I mean, that this kid demanded, demanded all of the attention, you know, all right. of the other kids were being ignored because this kid demanded the attention. And, you know, you just kind of have to now you have to get older to be able to sit right. back and go, well, you just wait, you know, you just exactly. wait. Yeah. You <laughs> because just wait it's, you, I love people who don't have children or who have little children. Yeah. To give you advice on your teenagers. Yeah. I just yeah. smile and, yeah. and, and know that someday they're going to feel really bad because, it's going to be made up to them tenfold. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you learn that they all come with their own personalities, whether they were, right. you know, physically, biologically, or whether you brought them in, they all come with their own little personalities. And like I said, I mean, we've had people question whether all of our children came from the same mother. You know, were you married right. before? Right. Do you ha- did you have another husband? <laughs> how did yeah. you produce all of these different children? It's like, yeah, that's how they all came. So yeah. there well, you go. They're like plants. Some plants, yeah. you know. They need water and some need no, no water and some need shade and some need sunshine. And, and you just, you can't treat them as a group. You have to treat no. them all individually and, and do the best that you can. And it's exhausting. Right. But I think that's how you grow to love your children is right. by serving them and helping them and sacrificing everything. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got to keep yourself healthy to take care of them, but Right. Basically, like I said, it's just come down to do I want a relationship with my child or do I want to be yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And that's exactly what we thought, too. And I think it's so important to, you know, I, I you know, but the other thing that comes with age is understanding that there is no perfect like. You know, I don't know right. if you're, a, you know, the, the, the poor woman, the, uh, that has just lost her husband. I remember on the news a couple of days ago, uh, she's just written about her grief that she's going through right now with the loss of this husband. And one of the things she said on her blog was, um, things that people say to her mm-hmm. that she found offensive. Mm-hmm. And what one of, and one of the things was people would come up to her and say, how are you doing? And she found that offensive because she thought they should say, how are you doing today? And I remember hearing that and going, oh, my heck, please, come on. I mean, there are no perfect things. 
somebody else might have really appreciated someone coming up and saying, how are you? And they didn't have to put, how are you today? Or whatever. But there is no magic. You know, your adoption story is individual and other people's adoption story is individual. And, you know, things that people say to you are going to be different than what people say to other people. And, you know, and I was just reading some things about kids who, like you were, exactly what you've experienced. Kids who wanted to find their birth parents, other kids who didn't want to find their birth parents. And, People who found their birth parents and it was a learning and really, really helpful. And then other people who found their birth parents and it was a disaster. Right. And, and so there isn't a script. We don't have a script, you know. Um, so all you can do is the best. All you can do is the best you can. And that's, yeah. yeah. That's all anybody can expect. Well, right. and what I love though for you, and you definitely are a fighter and I've learned so much from you as far as, you know, how to be that mother bear, how to be the person that stands up for your kids and, and makes them the priority. And like you say, it's more important that I deal with what my kid needs than what a program says they need right. or, you know, or what some group, you know, community effort says they need, whether, you know, whatever it might be. It's like, I know my child and I'm going to do what's best for them. And it's so important that we remember that and that we don't get swayed by. Yeah, it's not always the popular thing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I remember a couple times when you, when your kids were younger and it was such a wonderful breath of fresh air and wake up call because when you are involved in community things and you think you just have to go along with something, you know, uh, right. because you, you were told that that was the norm and that's what you did, you know, and then you find someone that isn't necessarily going along with that, that path and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. So I, I don't have to do that because that's okay really working different. It's okay to be different, and it seems to be working well for that family that they didn't, you know, follow that little program, and it was kind of like, so they really did put their kids before the program. Oh, I see. That's amazing. <laughs> I get it now. I can do that, you know. Um, I so, yeah, you that's... did that a lot of times, and you just didn't recognize it. Well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But, like, I remember even just little things, like someone, I said to my daughter, I learned something, and she said, what? I said, I learned that you can take your child home and put them down for a nap if you want to. <laughs> and, you know, rather than standing with some screaming, crying baby at some event of some kind because you right. feel like you need to show up, you know. Yeah. And it was like, it took me a while, but I finally figured that out. Now that I don't have any babies, but I'm just telling you that if you want me to take your baby home and put her down for a nap, I'm more there than happy know. to. You know, well, I think it's so hard because our... Our self-esteem is so wrapped up in other people's expectations Yeah, that we're trying so hard to play the part or make ourselves look good in other people's eyes. And, of course, now that I'm, you know, old, I can, I can recognize this. And, but I've, I've done that all my life. And that, you know, it gets to be exhausting because your priority is not your child. Your priority is what everybody is thinking about you and your child. Right. And if you can finally put your child first and their needs, um, it, it changes you. It's changed me tremendously. Yeah, yeah. That and that's a wonderful message right there, just for everyone, is to put your child's. I mean, okay, everybody has to take this with a grain of salt. Sometimes kids have to do things they don't want to do, and we got that. So let, don't take yeah. that as uh, oh, you know, children absolutely. are in control. We just putting that out to the world. We're not saying kids are in control here. We're saying no. that you know, you, but but when you know your child and you know what's best for them, that you can act on that. And what's best for them might be getting their butts to whatever 
they want to go to that, you know, they don't want to. But then at other times it might not be. So, um, that's the thing about being in tune and, and, uh, so anyway, thank you. Oh my gosh, Leanne, thank you for sharing your story with us today. I, I, you know, I just read some things and it's so funny because I was reading something about adoption. They were talking about the myths and, um, just like, you know, people saying what you should say to people that are grieving, grieving. The myths that they covered were different from what you've told me about your experience. So everybody just, you know, realize you got to put on that flak jacket and your experience is going to be different and you really can't, you kind of have to learn it yourself. So it's true. That's very just true. Jump in with both feet and find That's out right. where your parachute is and, and just be brave. Be, be brave. There you go. That's our message for today. Be brave. <laughs> Somebody embroider that and put it on a pillow for me. Anyway, okay. Thank you, Leanne. Have a great day. Enjoy that sunshine that's out there today. All right. Thanks, Renee. All righty. Bye-bye. That was so great. I so appreciate Leanne, and I, I wish all of you could know her. She is an amazing person and so, I mean, just so... Yeah, I mean, she just kind of takes it for what it is, and her kids are her number one thing, and if, you know, if whatever they need, and if you don't like it, too bad, so sad, and I love it, because she is, she is, I mean, she she teaches those kids right from wrong, but she also stands up for them, and it's, she's just a wonderful example, and she has some wonderful stories. I wish we could have talked to her for another hour. It was a wonderful thing. So, everyone, please remember, I love the saying from Mark Twain, go to heaven for the climate. Hell for the company. You know what? We're all on this earth together, and life is not easy, and we need each other. So find someone that you can help today. Be someone's answer to their prayers, and have a great week, and we'll talk next week. Bye-bye.